What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new season of uh, Metric, the user experience podcast. Uh, Michael Schofield here with um, kind of like podcast favorite Tim Broadwater, who is cool enough to make himself available for uh, the return from hiatus. This is um, the first podcast I've recorded, Tim, since, uh, gosh, May. <laughs> uh, how have you been? Hello, thanks for having me. I've been great. I haven't done anything, I think, with um, with you since the spring. So this is, yeah, it's rusty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, caveat to anyone who's tuning in. Um, super rusty. Uh, I'm lucky that I even got my... It's been rough. Like, I, I started a new job, and then summer, and I always take the summers off, even though I never announce it. I've got, like, some podcasts that I've recorded way back in May um, that I just need to edit. Uh so at some point, I'm kind of like psyching myself up to to dive into that. But I think I think maybe this season will be the the season that I hire an editor, <laughs> get some assistance with your technical debt. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, with the ums and the you knows and the uhs and the false starts, thirty minute podcast is like a three hour editing job just to yeah. sound presentable. Yeah, there's a. Uh... It is technical debt creeps up on you. That is, that is a fact of life. Here's what happened. So, um, so at some point over since the last time we talked, there is a thread about the role of certification and degrees in user experience and service design underscore design positions. It got me thinking about you because you are, I think, the. The first person I met to have a Nielsen Norman Group uh, user experience certification, but you may also be the only person I know who has that. Increasingly, I'm bumping into people who have or are pursuing, you know, like degrees in service design. Mm -hmm. um, I know that in our former field of like libraries and higher ed, Library Juice Academy just uh, kind of announced a user experience certification. From my perspective, um, this spring I actually completed. Um, like a three to four year goal of mine, which was to get UX master certification, which is basically, um, so I have three specializations as well as the UX master certification, which is 150 hours of um, grueling UX courses. And I say grueling because they all have exams and you are like, you get a two strikes you're out to to get a certain percentile on the exams and and it's from like as you said the nielsen norman group which is uh i would say one of the oldest you know ux mm, consultancies yeah. probably out there i mean adaptive path is fantastic and fuzzy math and you know there's the baymart institute and a lot of others but um uh, ng is kind of internationally known i think and has the most years behind them and so it was kind of a goal of mine to um, go through and get one certification, my second, and then get my third, like, master's certification. And I'm actually, I was born in um, um, 1977, and so when I went to college, <laughs> we learned printing press. And, you know, we actually had toaster Macs, which were, like, the little screen and the thing underneath, and you would just have, like, a floppy drive and... You know, so UX wasn't even a, 
a word. You know what I mean? Human computer <laughs> interactions happened over the course of my life. And like a lot of people, I think of my age, around my age probably, that they went from graphic design to multimedia to web to front end dev to like user UX, you know, and or somehow through that route and got into UX kind of uh, over the long run or like grandfathered in, I guess. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know. And uh, so now there's there are college degrees and there's probably more emerging certifications and courses and boot camps and um, resorts and, and trainings. Um, and I know. Um, my alma mater, like Savannah College of Art and Design, like literally just got, I think, their first undergraduate UX degree. And I know that Rhode Island School of Design has um, a professional master's certificate in user experience and then um, human computer interactions. And uh, so uh, it's something that I wanted to do. And uh, it also kind of, is, I think, worked out with, you know, what was available at the time. I have to admit, there's there's a part of me that's been interested, you know, like I've made user experience design my um, something I, I, I identify with, not just something I do for the last few years. But um, part of that has been as a role to like a lot of the talks I do, like involve putting forth a practical vocabulary for just how to talk about user experience. So you use the term kind of like people are kind of grandfathered in into the to the user experience role, and it's kind of funny in the in the practical service design community, it's it's continuing to happen. And so you have product managers who became user experience managers who are now service design managers, yeah. right? And grandfathered almost sounds like uh like a very forgiving way to describe survival of the fittest you know they're they're adapting their titles for yeah. relevancy right and so um there's this uh quote by jess leich or lich l-e-i-t-c-h and she's talking about service design but it's something that i like and she says that um here, here i'm gonna misquote but basically the the practical discipline of service design is negatively impacted by our lack of consistent vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is true for whatever design we're talking about, user, user experience, especially. Um, so when it comes to like something like certification or actual degree programs, when you contrast it against degree programs that have existed for, um, you know, like in more, in more traditional academia where you kind of know what you're going to get when you emerge with like an English degree or um, you there's a certain standard of um, practical achievement in any of the sciences. Mm -hmm. My question with like the like a, a certification user experience or a, or a degree program certification is what does that say about the the person who completed that program? What should say those of us who are on the other and who might be like hiring these um, user experience researchers or designers, what should we be able to expect that they can do? What should like what should our expectations be of somebody who has a bachelor's or master's in UX or a certification in UX? I'm, I'm not sure that there's a standard curricula. There, there definitely is. Uh, so there definitely is not. Um, but there is um, the the standard, which is um, user data, and so. In the last two positions that I've uh, worked in, um, I've actually worked alongside of people who have graduated from an undergraduate um, or graduate uh, uh, 
degree or you know um, education from a UX or humans you know computer interactions degree, and uh, it's 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 kind of interesting. I'm I'm picking their brain to figure out you know kind of you know what is it that you actually learn, and so um, it's a they get much earlier access to like existing tools. So um, an example is you know I've worked. The last two positions, like I said, with someone who's actually graduated from that, and they they were using remote user testing in school. They were actually in school using user testing or user Zoom. Um, they are looked at analytics um, like Google Analytics or Adobe Test and Target. They looked at um, accessibility kind of um, concerns as well as um, you know uh, heat maps and kind of all the things that kind of came out over the course of 20 years that we learned and picked up for different, or I say we, but like I learned and picked up for different jobs or like had to perform those roles. Um, they kind of, it's in a curriculum, you know, kind of packaged for them um, to some degree. And of course, depending on the institution. And so um, I think both are valid. It's kind of that age old argument of like, well, do you need, is having a college degree important versus skills, you know? Um, there's, uh, I think, you know, speaking to that, um, I had a, went to a degree in art and commercial design, ended up doing a lot of web development and, uh, front end development and came, fell into it through my career. Um, a lot of the students who are going through the programs now, they get some code, they get design, they get user data and research kind of all put together, which is kind of the, the weird kind of salad and what i mean by salad <laughs> is like you know you have tomatoes and croutons and lettuce and you know all this kind of, that's all the kind of skills that are involved in ux and i think the other thing is is that there seems to be this like why aren't we coming to this great convergence of like what ux is or what terminology is and i said and i guess what i noticed the most is that it's doing the exact opposite it's becoming diversified and it's mm. becoming more kind of um, spread out. And so um, it's interesting. I've gone to some conferences before and people were just like, I'm just a UX researcher. I don't do design at all. I just crunch statistics and numbers and look at analytics and I provide the data. And that's valid. UX researchers are positions. Google's hiring them, you know. Sure. Um, UX designers are like probably the largest, I would say 70% of what jobs are in the UX field. They're like, we need someone who does UX, but as well as someone who does UI design as well, because we need both. And hence why you have a lot of UX designer positions. But then UX dev is now growing. Um, I think I have friends that work, you know, at Adobe who are UX developers. My current job is somewhat of a UX developer. Um, and it's, it's common as well. So the field, instead of having this nomenclature or like this kind of zenith of like here's the terms and what we do and we wrap around it it's actually no the field is adapting itself to um how it needs to be and so you have librarians that do it you have um, business analysts who do it project managers and product managers who have knowledge about ux and i just see that happening more and more i think what's going to be rare are jobs that are just like I only do UX research or I only do UX design. Um, I think it's people recognize the value of UX and it's, it's the new hotness right now. 
companies throw money at UX consultancies because they understand the value of it. And so um, I think there is still probably to some degree, maybe what you're talking about, which is like, well, what is the understanding what it is to every, like maybe to the business side or what the understanding is to the general public. But um, I think for the companies that are doing it, it is diverse and it's different for every single kind of application of any job that I've seen. It's the slow drift to user experience being a core competency. Like the point is that everybody is capable of seeing, especially now that there's better data about how good user experience in, you know, name your field is good for that field. And so what that means for whether or not you're, you know, into like the, the user experience of like healthcare or mm -hmm. retail or healthcare like that. is probably the industry that needs UX <laughs> the most right now. I swear. I mean, healthcare is probably in the 20th century right now. And, and in regards to UX, that's, it's something that's totally unknown to them. Here's a tangent, but you know, there's some benefit to those healthcare stalwarts for, you know, kind of encouraging and, and continuing with their, poor ux right because uh where there's poor ux it is an anti-pattern that like feeds back into those systems yeah um, so if someone is using like google calendar for example and then they're trying to set up appointments with their doctor through a, <laughs> a patient portal it's got to be aggravating right so for a user and oh and to to answer i may have not answered your question sorry no. <laughs> to, like in regards to the certification like uh, the only certification I can speak to um, is adaptive path or as well as, you know, kind of Nielsen Norman group, but um, it is not this kind of like, I got my paper, I'm bona fide now <laughs> that kind of thing, but there are tracks. And I think it's kind of encouraged that, you know, what it is, what is it that you need for your career, not just your specific job. And so I would suggest one of the most exciting things that I see right now um, is the UX leadership kind of path. I think at Nielsen Normick Group, um, there have only in the last handful of jobs have I actually, uh, a handful of positions and places I've worked where I've been a part of a UX team. And I know a lot of people are the UX team of one, <laughs> um, which is a good book, by the way, if you've ever checked out the UX team of one. Um, uh, they're... And so it's a little different dynamic when you have like a, men, a team of six or a team of four or a team of, you know, UXers that you work with because um, there's different strengths as well as different understanding of what UX is to them. You may have a UX team where one person's a, all they want to do all day is just design UI where another person is just your researcher. Who all they want to do is don't create test scripts and want to look at analyze data and visualize data and do user studies. Whereas other people are more about I want to work with PMs and I want to work with project managers and clients and stakeholders. And, and so there's uh, one of the interesting things about um, one of the courses, I think that um, was at the last kind of um, UX week for Nielsen Norman group was this becoming a UX strategist. And it was really looking at the profiles of your UX team and um, what are you stepping on each other's toes as UXers and, how do you help and empower each other and grow UX's value in your company or organization? And so that's for someone who's like, well, I've never, A, wrapped my head around being a manager, but B, wrapped my head around being a UX manager as because I was doing 
UX for years, that's a whole new dynamic that I think um, uh, that's, you know, that kind of is uh, need to be needs to be considered. And then there's when you start thinking about, you know, omni-channel UX um, and service mapping and service design and how do you get from uh, user to development, like going from user interviews to empathy mapping to as is mapping to need statements to Jira epic tickets. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of, uh, there's no degree out there that has, you know, has, <laughs> that has that kind of is going to be that specific or have that, you know, um, track of perspective. And so I think that's where the certification kind of comes into it's like, well, what is it that you need to learn in your career? And how can this best help you? Because you know, we've been doing it for years and, and by we, I mean, NNG. Um, and so that's kind of the value that I see with the certification um, is kind of supplementing uh, the education and experience. Well, yeah, like, well, I don't have any counter argument. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's, uh, what a well sold. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> My, All right, podcast over. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, one of the things that I was interested in taking is this omni-channel UX because the last place that I worked was an e-commerce, you know, kind of on a UX team. And it's like, well, if we're sending marketing emails and there's an in-store mm -hmm. experience that we need to service map and people can buy online and pick up in store, but then they can use the app or they can um, just, you know, use the website and it's like we have all and we have social media and you have all of these ways that the customer can interact with you know our business you know um is anyone do we have a chief experience officer who's <laughs> you know who's over this you know who's actually who's actually concerned with the experience on the omni-channel experience well that's i think that's you're seeing a lot of cxos now too like chief experience officers that oh sure i see that kind of like business awareness creating a lot of like the, the, the new service design roles so, yeah, service design maybe more so than like user experience design might just be uh, like good vocabulary fit for these businesses that are trying to you know describe in the this omni, omni channel touch point right yeah, yeah like, the vocabulary is different from company to company yeah. hybrid to nonprofit to corporate america fortune 500 to small business what people refer to CX or UX in one place is totally different from another. I've worked at a place where CX is generally like this kind of, um, you know, this chief experience officer, like every way that we're touching the user and with our products and how they can communicate with us. Whereas in another company, it was like CX is actually just our surveying team that does intercepts and gets verbal feedback. All they do is voice of the customer, that's CX. I've been in situations where you define, you know, you distinguish the CX, the customer experience from the user experience, because in retail, especially the customer is always right, but the user isn't. So the, your, you know, your, 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 yeah. um, your choice of word here, you know, sets a tone for the following process, which, you know, again, it's just, um, just, just descriptive of the, the complexity of, you know, it's not getting, it's not getting simpler for, so simpler for, it's not getting easier. It's not getting more standardized. It's, um, chaotic, yeah, it's getting more, right? it's getting it's, more uh, complex and it's yeah. getting more compounded. And so 
where there's just as many drawings that say UX is a part of CX. I've seen the, I've seen the inverse where CX is just a part of UX. And so um, I don't tend to think of it that way in regards to graphs or drawings, or I don't think anything is easy to summarize in, in a graph, you know? <laughs> so and if, if anyone has ever worked in data visualization, they'll know what I'm talking <laughs> about because um, I think of it more sort of like user data channels. And so if we are getting what the user is doing through analytics or test and target clicking, if we have a way for them to talk to us, either through voice to the customer, surveys, emails, contact us, help. Um, we also have, you know, compliance there in regards to accessibility. Um, but we also can put remote users and, you know, through data scenarios, um, and testing scenarios, but we can also do moderated in-person users so we can get a little bit more in depth. And then um, any type of marketing research or statistics that we have, I consider that all user experience. It's it, well, more so that's all user data and user research, mm -hmm. which is what I do and, and what I've done in every kind of job. And so if it's Google Analytics or Adobe Test and Target or it's Compliance Share or um, if it's going to be, you know, if we're using Qualtrics for surveys or we're using an intercept tool like usertesting.com or um, a way to take 4C to intercept surveys or, um, you know, there's just, they're all kind of the same thing because UX, to my experience, is like, well, who are we going to make responsible for accessibility and who are we going to make responsible for um user data and who's responsible for design and who's responsible for CX. And it's like, it'd be fantastic if you had a team that could do all of that. But generally that's all like, well, that's a per user. And it, <laughs> I see that pushed in the direction of like, well, send it to the UXers. And, and I think that's what we all kind of have in common and what some of the, I guess some of these trainings or, or um, certifications are like, you know, I don't know that much about accessibility. So I want to take some, you know, certification or some courses on accessibility where someone else is like, I don't know anything about design. I can tell you, I can comb through and visualize data like user data, but I don't really know how the best ways practices to build for an app. And so all of these diversified courses for the certification, I think are to kind of fill, as you say, kind of the business need gap that you, that you may have. And you know what? I think that is probably a good place to end it, you know? Uh, some of this I'll probably like right here. This part I'll probably like chop out. I know. Uh, yeah, no, like no. Well said. I am not sure I have like anything to follow up with. I would honestly say to someone like you, because when you asked me, is like, hey, you know, are you considering? What are your thoughts about? Would you want to do a podcast and talk about certification? Because you were interested in it. Yeah. I would actually look at their look at. Um, NNG's weeks because they do them all over the country and all over the world. So find one that's near you, but then look at some of their tracks and their courses to see. And I, I mean, they're not paying me at all. I wish they were like, I would totally, <laughs> I would totally get tons of money because I totally think they're, you know, NNG's UX weeks and certifications are great, you know, product and worth investment. But I, I think really think about it from the context of like, where do you, what are you missing or what do you need to learn more about in depth? And so um, that's the perspective I would look at it is what I would tell you. 
good. <laughs> like I think I think some of that is where we might just kind of like roll off into the into the outro music. Um, <laughs> Um, no, no, I meant like, like Will said, you know, I came into this not interested in throwing shade, but a little skeptical. You know, I still feel the burn of English degree weighing on my student loan uh, debt. Why yeah, drop so another 1K for like a course? Yeah. It's, well, like, I mean, it's yeah. interesting. And of course, I guess if you could get like an employer to pay for that, then sure. Um, I think there's something attractive about the rigorousness um, required of NNG um, as opposed to maybe something else that implies its quality. I think uh, there's something attractive just about the name of Nielsen Norman group, right? If I'm not mistaken, uh, Don Norman coined user experience or, or certainly made inroads the, the field in of HC human computer interaction. Yeah. You're word. Correct. Yeah. So like the, um, another thing is, is like, I've done both. I've actually had an employer help pay for it. And, but then also I've paid for it because I saw the value in it. And then I will claim that as a tax deduction sure. totally because for, you know, workforce development and proving my job and I can definitely do that. I actually checked that of course, before <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did it, but I mean, it's like, I saw the value enough to where it's like, well, I can drop this if I know I'm going to make it, if I can claim it on my taxes um, for my job, you know, so that's why I did it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for, um, again, like taking the time to swing by old metric headquarters. Is there anything you want to plug uh, before we go? Anything you're working on? Anything you want to draw attention to? Just your Twitter handle, something. I will plug this because it's another, you know, your podcast is great. I, if people have not checked out the User Defenders podcast, if you've never heard of it, you should totally check it out because it's something that I've been listening to for the last year now. And what it is, is it's a podcast where it's very much like this. It's one person, but the guy interviews um, people from the UX industry um, that have all these different slants. So here's like a guy who does UX for emails in like the UK, or here's a, a woman who does UX uh, engineering for another company where here's a guy who does a UX design work. So it's called User Defenders Podcast. Um, it is, it's just kind of just two people sitting down and talking about UX and it comes from a superhero kind of perspective because he always asks the people like, if you, what's, if you had to tell people what your UX superpower is, what is it? <laughs> and it's interesting to hear these people's responses because, um, so it's, I would just say, you know, my, my Twitter handle is Tim underscore Broadwater. Um, not really doing anything right now just living the dream so no. tim what is your user experience superpower <laughs> uh see yeah I, I i've kind of thought a couple times how i would answer that right right <laughs> i would have to say i like data visualization you know i love data visualization i think it's one of the ways that when you're putting a deck together for people or you compile do this user study or you're actually building data visualization as part of the product like um it's something that I really, really kind of enjoy. And I think I can create understanding with stakeholders and clients uh, through data visualization. So last question, what problem do you have with Game of Thrones? Because um, like I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of was like, I, I, as soon as like the episode last night um, we're recording on a Monday was, uh, was over, I saw you say something kind of hateful. <laughs> yeah, so like... the, there's this ongoing conversation I have at work with our kind of UX team and developers about 
how much Deus Ex Machina is in Game of Thrones to make people <laughs> happy. And so basically, like, it's like characters that you love, they're about to die. You're like, great, they've they've been killed three times. They should die. You know? And they just bring them back. And you're like, come on. <laughs> this is totally for ratings at this point. You know, come on. Just, just you know, um, that's kind of... So, yeah, if you do follow me on Twitter, Tim at Tim underscore Broadwater, you're going to get a lot of American Horror Story, Game of Thrones, Scream Queens kind of stuff. So. I love Scream Queens. I just finished, uh, well, this is uh, this is relevant to user experience. I just finished um, um, American Horror Story Hotel. I know I'm a little bit behind. Oh, yeah. um, but, um, but there's I a whole thing show, about man. that that compares to like the Windows operating system. That every what? other one is great, but then the ones in the every odd one sucks. Oh, so no. <laughs> it's just like everyone loves, like, you know, everyone loves XP, but they hate Vista. But then they love seven, then they hate eight. And it's like everyone loves Murder House, but they hated Asylum. But then they loved Coven, but then they hated Freak Show. So I don't know. It's a. Uh, I know there's probably like a psychological bias for that. It's probably like every other <laughs> thing you like or dislike. I don't know. All right, man. Well, um, have a good night. Thank you again for us. We can buy folks. That has been uh, uh, hopefully not the last episode this month of uh, Metric User Experience Podcast. If this is something you dig, uh, like, star, heart, favorite, leave a positive rating. I have 11 five-star ratings on iTunes. Like, it'd be sweet if I could get that to 12. Your support, folks, goes a long way. This is something that I do for fun. I get my friends on here. We just do it for fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little rusty. I'll I'll have my outro out sometime next week. Where else see you then?